Why he fighting fighting this? Why? What? 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 What, what is his goal? Are back. Welcome back to the immigrant section. Today I have a very special guest. Please, round of applause. There's no actual people here. Dave Mahesh. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, and I and I will take the round of applause. <laughs> even if yo, yo, man, I wish I had the soundboard. Oh, woo! Bro, no, 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 man, no. I just want to say too, off the top, is like I've I've seen. I will always watch the clips that you post. Oh, you watch them. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get a chance to tell you. I, I like what I like what you're doing. I, I I see it. I see it like I see it bubbling from like I've watched them over time. I believe like from months ago and stuff like that. Oh, I had no idea you were watching. To be honest, that yeah. makes it yo. That makes me feel fucking good. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I like to be modest, but yo, shit, he's watching. No, no, no. You gotta get your as they as uh, I forgot as a rapper said. Uh, you get your roses. You get your flowers while you're here or something. I remember, I can't remember. It was like a song. Like, I think it was Drake. It, might, it has to be Drake. Yes, yeah. Nobody to. talks about petals, flower petals. <laughs> Nobody can make that gangster except for Drake. I think it was talking about tulips. I think it was Drake. Yeah, that sounds like Drake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it was him, though. But you got to tell, I, you know, I, you got to tell people. I, I feel like, you know, you know, even in comedy, you, you kind of, like, hold back on telling people good things because it's like, I don't know what, what happened, but it's like, I don't know if it's an ego thing. So I try not to do, I try to, if I feel like, yo, I, I really dig this. I would, I try to tell the person as much as I can so that they can hear it. I appreciate you, man. I really, I really do. I really appreciate you. Uh, you're right. People almost have this vibe like, yo, it'll go to their head, man. Don't tell them too much nice stuff. We got to keep them humble. We got to, they got to remember where they are <laughs> like kind of vibe. My favorite is when people go like, it's not even, not even, not even comedians, just, uh, and just people, they'll be like, yo, I just want to tell you, man, you know, good job on that thing. I ain't trying to suck your dick or anything. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's such a crazy thing to tell somebody you don't know. You're like, yeah, I know that like sucking dick and you telling me that I did a good job on a TV show are two completely different. There's eight <laughs> steps in between. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, it's like, yo, you're not trying to suck my dick, are you? No, no. Okay. All right. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, and I'm mentioning, bro, I don't even know where to start with you. As a comedian, I want to hear all about your come up through Windsor, Toronto, the States. As a, a fan of television, I want to hear all about Rami. You know what I mean? I love that show. I tell people when I watched Rami episode one, I was like, oh, like season one, episode one, the pilot. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, in my mind, if I had ever made a show, this would be the intro. As soon as I saw the Egyptian guy, Mick will do it through his toes. I'm like, oh, shit, someone did it. This is, someone is, this is crazy, man. So I applaud you. You have, in season two especially, you are just pure comedic relief. In season two, you are just a comedian on the camera, bro. Yeah, I, I, I kind of lucked out. I lucked out in that sense when I, when I watched it. I was like, oh man, I gotta, I, I feel so, so blessed to get all the, I got a lot of, I got a punchlines that I didn't, you know, when you're filming, I wasn't, cause you're filming sometimes out of or not in order. So I yeah, didn't really yeah. know the final, for the final product. So I was kind of very, very happy that I was able to, I didn't, to, to be the comedic relief because I love that. You know did they I mean? write it? Did you write a lot of that stuff? Cause in season two, it literally seemed like an extension of your stage presence. 
Uh, no, I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't writing it. But I mean, like when we're on set, when we're filming, sometimes I'll, he'll he's he's very very supportive in the fact that you know you can. He'll be like, yeah, ad lib. Like he'll come and be like, yeah, do the take. But then another take, he'll be like, hey, you just add what you want, ad lib. Did they, and then we'll Ed, run it. Did any of the ad libs make the final cut? Oh yeah, I think when I said to Mahershala Ali, I'm like, your yeah, your shoulders. I think it was because that's something that yeah, I, think, I remember that line. I still I was like, look at his shoulders. I was like, yo, I love. <laughs> I think that one, and then there was like a couple other ones where it was just like you can, if you know me, and if you watch maybe like my stand up, you'd be like, oh, that's his train of his train of thought. But I mean, a lot of times it's collaborative as well between me and Rami. Rami will be like, yo, you know, you could say this. And then I'll be like, yeah, what if I said this? So it's a collaborative effort. But he's he kind of like the character is not fully me. But I mean, my my stuff comes out of there. And that was a thing that like, you know, he was he was very open to and he, and and very welcoming and, and he supports it. How, did you. Did you openly audition? Did you link up with these guys way? Because you went to L.A., right? Actually, before. Uh, no, actually, that would be confusing for you if we I was going to go back into that. And then that and I was like, this isn't a fucking Quentin Tarantino movie. We'll just get it linear. Let's get it linear. OK, like, did, did you know them? Did you audition? How did you link up with the show to begin with? Well, I've known Rami since uh, like 10 years ago, man. I met him at the Arab Comedy Festival in New York when I was still in Can I know I was still living in Canada. Uh, I was in Toronto and then we met and I, I don't remember fully the details of the conversation, um, but we were talking about he was doing sketch. He was in a sketch troupe at the time. I don't think he was doing stand up just yet. And I was doing stand up and I remember talking to him about wanting to act in the future. It's a thing I've always wanted to do from from when I was like 14. That's that was the goal was to do stand up and then get into acting. Um, and he he rem we talked about that years later uh, about that converse about that that mo that situation or that time we saw each other. And then I moved. I was trying to move to L.A. in 2015. I had I had a temporary green card. So I was going there for visits and I saw he posted on his Instagram um, that he was doing a show and then I went and I started doing the show like he put me on and then I we started to reconnect again and then I would stay at his apartment and and then when I moved uh, full full time we would hang out we would do shows so our relationship got closer and I remember I was telling him I'm like man I want to get out of LA I want to move to New York I just want to go to a city I like and he goes well I got a homie if you want to like you know go stay with them until you find a proper neighborhood you want to live in and then that's how then I did that and then I was brought uh, and me and that guy became super, super close. And then I was, again, it was the Arab comedy festival. We're hanging out. And then he goes, Hey, cause I knew, sorry, if I'm jumping all over the place. No, I, no, no, no. Just take your time. Do your thing. I think I saw him the day he sold the show. Like we were at a, I was at a, a food spot and I ran into him. It was him and uh, Ryan Welsh, the, the, one of the other uh, writers. And they were like, yo, we sold the show. And I was like, yo, that's dope, man. And then, Congra like, you know, uh, I was like, congratulations. And then in New York, I saw that they were filming the pilot. And then in New York, when we were at the stand, we were doing one of the nights of the Arab Fest. He goes, have, or no, I think we were just at the stand, the New York, the comedy club, the old stand. He goes, have you, uh, he goes, do you want to audition? I was like, yeah. He goes, okay, cool. I'll, I'll give you a shout and you come in. And, and then I, um, I was like, hey, by the way, if it's, because I think it was the following week. I'm like, I'm going to do comedy in China though. So if it's next week, I might not be here. So then he's like, okay. this, wait, 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 like a festival in China or like a, just a oh, private uh, gig or 
It was a gig that was a uh, Andy Curran is a is a comic out there. I think he's American. He lives in like uh, Shanghai, and he was he was bringing over like American, mostly American comics. I think Zainab Johnson has done it. Um, uh, Yo, just, was this was this at Kung Fu Comedy or Shanghai Comedy Club? No, Kung Fu. I Dude, think. I used to be an engineer for a brief stint and I went through Shanghai and I would go to open mics at Kung Fu Comedy and yeah. Shanghai Comedy. There was a guy, Muhammad, is a, a comic who also ran, who, who kind of booked it as well. I think, dude, I think Tony Woods has done, like everyone. Oh, uh, I, I remember I see Ahmed Ahmed's poster, Ari Shafir's poster. Well, um, Will Sylvince, very funny comedian. He, he, he's like a re regular at the cellar in New York. He actually hooked it up. Years ago, we were in Australia and he, he's been so, he's such a supportive dude. He was like, he came over and he showed me pictures of, he goes, man, he goes, I, I'm, I did comedy in China. I go, and I didn't know anything. I go, you could do that? Like, <laughs> he goes, yeah. And he goes, I guess he goes, don't worry, man, you'll play there. This is 2014. Dude, 2017, I'm at the cellar with like, I think Darren Rose, Ronnie Chang, very, 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 very dope comedians. And I think Nathan McIntosh, I can't, we're at a booth in the cellar or the restaurant part. And then Will comes over, he goes, you guys want to go to China? <laughs> we're like, yeah, I guess. And he, he goes, give me your emails. He comes back and goes, give me your emails. Dude, I'm on the train that night and I get an email from Andy Kern. He goes, when do you want to come to China? These are the dates. So I go, holy shit. I, I messaged Will, I go, yo, you're the best, dude. This actually happened. So... I'm, I'm over there and I'm at one of the airports because I'm going to Beijing and uh, Rami goes, Hey man, can you audition? I was like, dude, I'm in China. He goes, okay, can you, can you self tape? I go, this is the thing. I don't have anyone out here to help me self tape. He goes, turn it into a monologue, man. Turn this, what I'm sending you into a monologue, add whatever, add things if you want. I was like, cool. Oh, man, it sounded like he was, he wanted you for the part. He was like really flexible, like just yeah, yeah. get it on tape. All right. I like it's a technicality of the producers. Just get it on exactly. tape. Yeah. And um, I was like, bro, at the time, emotionally, at the time, mentally and emotionally, I was I was I was I was depressed. I was in, a, in and out of depression. So I was like, I don't I'm like, you know what, man, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to I'm not going to put weight that I'm going to get this. Do you know what I mean? I'm just going to do this how I want to. What are the odds of me even getting it? Who knows? That long shot. But I, I, so I just did it like how, like, you know, I was, I, I was nervous, but I did it. I'm like, just have fun. Like, do you, what are the odds of you booking this anyways? So and you got, I, by the way, you got to have that mentality. You have to carry it throughout the whole acting industry because it is 99% no. Exactly. So I, I, I never did that much of that energy. I would always get too nervous. So maybe it was because I was in China. Maybe I was depressed. There was a lot of it was depression too. I was like super depressed, um, but I wasn't really telling anyone. It was, was it like more. career depression or just like you've, you have depression you've dealt with? I've had, I've had depression all the way through, but this time it was like career depression because I was like, I was in New York. I was like, you know, I did all this work to get a green card. I did all this leveling up in Canada to get a green card. And then I left. <laughs> and then I started at like, like basically kind of not the bottom bottom, but a, but a hard spot in America. So I was like not dealing with it well. And I was missing my friends. I was just depressed. And I was like, why am I? I got to, I got to do these. I was like, fuck, man. I, You're I gotta, proving yourself again in New York. Yeah. And I had to do these like open mics and I was 
like trying to like have faith and strength or whatever it was. But uh, so I mean, but this China gig was amazing. So I was like super lit about it, but I was also like, I got to go back to New York and do these open mics probably. Um, so I, I get to Beijing, the promoter person picks me up and I'm like, how do I do this self tape? Like I still need someone to record me. Who do I ask? So she drops me off at the hotel. She's like, I'll come back and get you for food. She comes back and I have to tell her, I have to ask her, can you self tape me? <laughs> I don't know what the show is about fully. I don't know if she knows what a self tape is. So I'm explaining it to her. I go, can you come to my room? Which is super creepy. No, no, you know, don't worry. Is- We're going to have everything on footage. It's okay. <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. We use camera, camera. <laughs> But she's already been in the room to show me it, but now it's even extra weird that she comes back and she has to go there. So, bro, she sets up. I go, I'm going to sit on this couch or this chair, and she's on the bed, like, or she's, yeah, she's sitting on another chair in front of the bed, and she's, like, recording with her phone like this. And then she, I go, do this. She does, I do the take, and she's like this, and she goes like this. She goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I go, you, but I don't want to get angry. I'm like, what? In my head, I go, no. I didn't think it was that bad. I run it back again. She basically said, run it back. So I do it, and she goes, okay. She just gives like a thumbs up or something. And we go eat this wonderful meal. I do the show in Beijing, and I got to go to Singapore next. Beijing Damn. was cool. So um, Singapore, I do the show. I didn't really care for the show. I was like, I just want to get out of here. But Singapore is crazy clean. Oh, like, I heard I heard you get arrested for throwing gum on the floor there. Yeah, bro. The cab driver had like multiple signs on if you like swear at him or something, you'll go to jail. And he was the most happiest guy. Like <laughs> when I got in there, he turned it and he was like, hey, like he was so pumped. But I was like, of course he is. He's not getting treated like shit like in North America, right? He's like super accommodating. And um, I'm it's like three in the morning there in Singapore, and my Canadian agent sends me a text and goes, You booked a pilot, man. And then I was like, oh, I text the girl that helped me. And I was like, we did it. And she was like super supportive. And then I flew. I had to fly to Vancouver. So I'm like in Vancouver now. And then I got I had I had club dates with uh, Chris Griffin and I was staying with him. Very funny comedian out there. I go, bro, I got to cancel these gigs for this pilot. And he was like, holy, that's amazing. But the but the flights to get back to New York, I had to take three connection flights from Vancouver. Oh my god, dude! And then Would land- <laughs> connect for someone who's depressed or like depressed, doing multiple connections is like, what is this god? Are you playing tricks on me? What are you doing? Three connections? <laughs> not even two. I'm just going from Vancouver to New York. I'm not going to Australia. Like it's 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 up. So I'm I get to New York and I go. So Sunday we rehearse. So I've met Mo, Mo Amber before. We've done shows at the Arab Fest. So I didn't know him that well. So we met up on Sunday, me, him, and Rami to rehearse in the director. And then Monday we filmed that scene in the pilot. The one at where the we, restaurant. No, the, is the, the wedding one. Remember oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. So we did that. That was the first, that was the scene we did. And um, it was such a surreal thing. I remember getting uh, a Uber. They got, they sent an Uber to take me to set. And uh, we go through Queens because we did it. We shot it in Astoria, Queens, I think. And just the sun coming up and being like, yo, shit, I'm filming a pilot in New York was like such a, uh, I was so blessed for it. I was like, this is what I fucking invested in with my green card to come here and do. So then we do that. 
And then months later, I think in April, I'm at Nathan McIntosh's place in Astoria in Queens. We're just watching TV. Rami calls me. I go to, the, I go to his room. And I, he goes, dude, we got picked up. Wow. I, go, they, I, go, I go, oh, man, congrats. And he goes, he goes yeah, you too, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, fuck, I'm a part of it. This again, I forgot. Yeah, I didn't know if I was going to be like, like a serious regular. I didn't know what my place was. I just was, you know, they didn't really tell me, I think, at that time when I filmed the pilot. I don't think so. I can't remember. They might have actually. I just kind of was, because, you know, like he called, he called and I was like, this is his show. I, even though I'm a part of it, I just kind of responded with congrats. So, yeah, man. And then I think we filmed it at the, the following September. So, man. April, uh, yeah, that's how it all came. That's how it went down. How long did it take to shoot that first season? We went, we started September. The diner scene with me, Mo, and, and, uh, and Rami, where I'm at the counter and I'm coloring with crayon. I think that, that might have been the first or second scene we did of the first season. Because we went to a diner outside of New York, I'm pretty sure. And uh, uh, that started September. I think they went through filming. I, I stopped filming in November. And then Rami went to, I think he filmed in Egypt through December. So I think it went from September to December or January. Okay, so you got the first, I think it was eight episodes or so that were before Egypt, right? Or was it less? Yes, first, the first eight were before Egypt and nine and ten are in Egypt. Man, what a show though, holy crap. Yeah. And, and, and critical acclaim, what happened, like, uh, was there a shift in like your career from a stand-up or an acting point of view after that season dropped? It was, it was more like, you know, more, I, I got connected way more with people from, from mid Middle Eastern background. I'd get a lot, I'd get messages from people that, you know, um, I think I wasn't getting that reach before. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. That, of course. that was, and that was important to me. That was in, and it was important to be on a very, like you a show you're proud of. Like, you know, you weren't like, yeah, I'm on a TV show and you have to be like, where they're like, oh yeah, this guy did that for money. <laughs> so, so the character you played is, uh, what's the character's name again? It's Ahmed. Ahmed, it's, which is perfect, by the way, because the character you play is my friend Ahmed in real life. And every group, the friend Ahmed is that guy. Okay. Every, I don't know if you've already heard this, but Ahmed is always that guy. So it's perfect. But Dude, I've heard that now, but I didn't know that before. Because like, I grew up in Windsor, where I grew up in Windsor, Ontario. There's a huge Middle Eastern co community. A lot of like, and Bro, my like, friend Ahmed lives in Windsor right now. Okay. Oh, <laughs> There's like there's like Muslim and Christians in and and in 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 Windsor, but like a huge population. So I would know a little bit about the culture. Like I had homies that would be like, "Yo, we gotta leave, we gotta go to the mosque." But I also had homies that were like were de devoted and they were very to the T. And then I had a homie that would like get high with us and get wasted the night before. And the next day, he's like, "I gotta go to the mosque." Yeah, like, yeah. Do what? <laughs> yeah, right. Repent, nigga. I'm trying to. We sinned. What a grimy shit you did here. I'll never forget it. This dude got out of the car and he goes, Yeah, I go to the mosque. And I'm like, This guy? Like, I remember being like, <laughs> I, I had got caught up with some people that I shouldn't have been caught up with. Um, for, for like a year, I was just on this, like, I don't know what I was trying to do. So, um, but Ahmed is like the most, he's the most devout, I think. So, so you are a Christian uh, Lebanese, but that guy is very Muslim. So when people hit you up, did they just assume you were this aggressively Muslim? Were they saying, "Mashallah, Ahmed, I love this role yeah, you played"? Mashallah. Yeah, exactly what you just said. <laughs> and 
they're like, then I go, oh, I'm Canadian. And that's the one that fucks them up, I think, the most. <laughs> they're like, what? <laughs> they're Canadian. They don't think that, they think that Canada has a shortage of Arabs. Like, they're not. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, you're Christian. And you're, you're, you're not actually Muslim in that part. But Canadian, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> Windsor, what the hell is that? You mean Dearborn? No, no, Windsor. <laughs> <laughs> people, like, people, people will come over and be like, yo, I can connect with that character. So it sucks. Sometimes it sucks because you're like, well, I'm not. I'm playing a character because, you know, they, they might they do assume sometimes that you are that person. But but that that's a testament to your acting skills. That's a testament to the actual vibe you hit with the trifecta. You ran me Mo Ammer, by the way, huge fan of Mo Ammer stand up. So I just that trifecta yeah. is just so on point, bro. I love it. Mo, it also helped too. It helped in a sense that a lot more like people in the industry are familiar, of course, with the show. So when you're present, when you're trying to pitch something or you're trying to talk to them or get an introduction, and if your representation is like this is Dave's on Dave's Ahmed on Rami, so people already go, oh, I've watched that. So then people will be like more welcoming to talk to you and yeah. hear your ideas. That's what has helped, especially. And then for auditioning, it's, you know, in some instances, I'll be able to just kind of like, uh, uh, just, you know, they'll be like, you know, we want to hear from him. We want an audition tape from him, which wasn't happening a lot in the past. So there's moments where those opportunities will come about. But other, and, and also, you know, it, again, it's just super dope to be a part of something that people like 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 artistically they're like Bro, i like it is a home run show like objectively speaking it is a home run show so especially that season one was like because season one it shot it was like yo this is a new season two is more of season one so it's like but season one it was like what the fuck this is this can work in this american like in in the Great. in the ecosystem of shows this can this can work this is gonna land this is gonna teach people so much shit this is crazy. I remember being like, holy fuck, this show is so good. We tried it. We even, even the fellow cast members will have conversations and even friends of ours. Will, I would be like, it's such a uh, wild thing to be a part of when you kind of like, not on an ego way, just when you sit back and go, oh, you're a part of a, like a Middle Eastern cast that a lot of TV uh, doesn't have. Or, you know. Not and, zero. And, Name zero. one other. None. So it's like, and it's also, we're, it's, it's, it's showing not always the negative side of, of this, which is great, which is more than great. It's just amazing. You're just, I, you get tired of, of like fucking here, getting sent an audition where it's a, a, a terrorist, but even funny, sometimes they try to like hide it. Like they don't want to blatantly go, it's a terrorist, but they're like, yeah, he has a gun in the scene. Like when you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bro. I actually went for an Egyptian terrorist in a plane and it was actually terrorist number two. And my line was not open fire. <laughs> and they Did didn't like, they didn't like my dialect for it. <laughs> Dude, I got stopped. I was like, I can't do uh I, I wanted to stop after because I, I used to do those. I would do those auditions all the time because I didn't just, you know, you know, man, you're just trying to get on or you just don't know better. And, and I think just maybe the last few years, I, I've, I've just said, I don't want to do it. You know, but I mean, there was a time where I was like, I you can't say no. It. I was like very like I just didn't know how to get into the into, you know, the industry. I didn't know. So I don't knock that. But I mean, like, it's such it's good now that there's other another platform or, or they're seeing us in another way that 
maybe we don't always got to get uh, uh, those type of auditions. Yeah, the, the show, you giving that series regular is kind of like your blue check verification for the industry. Yeah. Like it now you're, yeah. you're in different conversations. You're a validated individual. Yeah, very, very like, man, it just took a long, it just took a long time. It took a like, very, very long time because I've always wanted to be uh, a part of an American TV show. You know, as when you're, when you're growing up and you're watching TV, it's well, that's predominantly is there. So it was such a, uh, I don't take it for granted at all. I, I, you know, it's a constant blessing. I'm always, you know, I've told Rami multiple times. I'm like, uh, of like being in the van, getting to set in New York, being like tripping out, being like, oh man, I was, I got a green card to do this. Like, this was like a journey to get here and to be like filming in the Upper West Side or East Side is wild. It's Yo, so wild. So. That's fucking amazing. You killed it. And what I want to know is now from the stand-up point of view, because I'm in that point where I'm like four or five years in my stand-up. And as far as I know, it is you, just like you said, you climb to the top of the Canadian system. You have a couple of, um, you have a couple of um, newspaper articles related to you that let you get the green card. You go to the States, you go to New York, and you level up there, and then your yeah. career is made. This is the same story as I know it, and you have lived it. So I want to know, like, you started in Windsor. Yeah. Uh, did, did you any, you know, my first open mic was in Ferndale, Michigan. Yeah, that's where I, uh, um, there was a place called Club Bar, so I used to go to all the time. Did you ever go to New Way Bar? New Way Bar? No, because I left. So I'm, I'm way older than you, and, and, and especially in the scene, is like, dude, I left. Dude, I was, I was going to Michigan and Detroit with MapQuest. <laughs> I'd have to print out <laughs> and put it on, on my mom's car in the front seat, and I would have to drive like, like on I-75, like I was like, dude, I would drive. This is, I don't even tell a lot of people this. I was so scared of, of going on my own. I would drive the day before and case the place out. And practice. <laughs> well, just like, I'd pull up to the place and go, that's how I get here. So I needed, uh, and then drive back. <laughs> yo, yeah. that is crazy, man. <laughs> In the daylight, just so you know, okay, I can park there. Because I didn't know, dude, I had to cut through like, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I lived in Windsor and we'd go to Detroit, but we'd, we would just go to like grocery stores or like a certain events. Like I wasn't going all the time. I was going with my parents or we'd go to party. I never really partied in Detroit. So now I'm going every night to do comedy there because Windsor had no scene. Yeah. yeah. No, I had like, so what happened was the Yuck Yucks Windsor did battle of the bands on a Sunday. That's how, uh, uh, how we got our open mic. So before the battle of the bands, they put comics up, amateur comics. So then eventually, I think when they stopped the battle of the bands, we took it over as stand up. So that's how we got our stand up in, in Windsor at Yuck Yucks. But other than that, there's one opportunity to get on stage a week. In Windsor. And then you could do a guest spot on a Thursday, Friday or Saturday. If you got cool with the manager at the club, yeah, like if okay. you, if you, a couple of years. Yeah. And then, and then we started an open mic at a bar in the basement called horse and carriage. It was under the where the loop is, but underneath. And then, then bars maybe bro. Like there wasn't a, there, and then there was Leo's comedy corner. That's what it was. And the lady, his wife just never thought I was funny. Like even probably till this <laughs> Would day. she tell you this? He told me straight up, Sharon, I think you're funny. <laughs> and then the, the husband, Leo DeFore, is, uh, is, a, is a, co a comic who, who, who works 
all the clubs in the U.S., and he owns a club in Windsor. He didn't mind me, but I guess, look, bro, you got, he just was like, look, my wife, like, so, <laughs> so I was, I couldn't get that many spots there. And then I started to go to Michigan. What so I want to know is, wasn't it heat to cross the border every night? Cause if you told them, cause I'm, I'm familiar with the border. I used to be an engineer in Detroit. So I lived in Detroit. I'm very familiar. I had Nexus. I'm very familiar with the border. If you tell, if you're crossing every night being like, I'm going to do comedy, don't they go, that means you are taking the place of an American comedian. That means you are stealing work from us. No, you can't come in. Isn't that the vibe? Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't know how long this is going to take. But <laughs> so <laughs> I was just saying, I was telling them that I was going to see a friend do comedy. That's Every all I was. Night. Yeah. And it worked for four months. No one said anything. <laughs> so I can't remember. It was an older, it was an older black guy. He goes, uh, he goes, wait a minute. He'd stop. He goes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You coming to see your friend do comedy? I go, yes, yes. And he goes, so you watching your friend. You, you're traveling to watch your friend. And I think he said, you must be a good friend. I go, I am. I am, I guess. Right. And he goes, I don't know, man. I don't believe it. Bro. I don't believe it. And it's the first time I got jammed up. And I go, I, it's true. And then he goes, no. And then I, I go, look, man, look, I've done the open mic a few times. He goes, do you get paid? I go, no. And he couldn't understand that concept, I think. I think he just wasn't familiar with how, like, stand-up operates um, the, on the early stages. So he goes, I'm going to pull you in. So they pull me in. So they're like, look, man, do you have a job? I go, yeah. And they're like, we need pay stubs. I go, what? He goes, next time you cross, you give us a pay stub. So next time I cross, pay stub. Then they kept, they pull me in. They're like, you need every week leading up, pay stub. Tell us. Like, they started and upping things so i was crossing but then one time they were like pulled me in and the guy goes uh do you do you have uh do you pay bills i go i'm talking to one guy he goes, i go no he goes what do you mean you don't pay bills i go i live with my mom and i was like 24 maybe 23 24 and another guy another t uh guy steps a customs guy steps over he goes you 24 years old and live with your mother like that like with your family and he had like i think he had a gold tooth bro. that's so funny <laughs> bro i believe it man it's like one of the detroit guys from the american side right <laughs> so, so I, bro you know what i had to do i'm like well i don't know what you guys want me to do i don't i don't own my i don't own a house or an apartment they're like well you're gonna have to get a letter from your mother to prove you pay your bills so my mother wrote a letter and, and she signed it and i brought it back Please says, let my son do open my comedy and follow his dreams. He's paying his Fido bill. <laughs> I think she might have said Habibi. No, no. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He Habibi. makes his bed every day. Arakala, please let him go and do dream. <laughs> oh, to answer your question, it was not. That's why I moved to Toronto. Bro. That's not sustainable. That's the bro. I know bro. about the border. I'm like, man, as someone who knows the border, crossing every night for that and you got no papers, no TN visa, oh, no green card. I'm like, that's trouble sooner or later. That's trouble. And you got to pay, remember? You got to pay the toll. The toll, so yeah. And you're going two, Ambassador Bridge, right? Yeah, two, or, the, or that or the tunnel, but you're paying 250 both ways, maybe. I don't know. That was back five, then. It's five, it's like 450 and five bucks now. Now it is, right? So yeah, imagine yeah. that. So, dude, I met Jason Rouse headlining, Jason Rouse, Terry Clement, and John Doerr. Oh, I, shit. And John and they were they were telling me, but Rouse specifically is like, yo, you should go to Toronto, bro. I go, oh, I don't know, because my dumbass was like, I'll work Michigan because I started to work the clubs, but I had no paperwork. 
So um, I was like, I'll work Michigan and then move to New York. I knew nothing about a green card. Yeah, status. <laughs> nothing. I was like, I'll just move there. And then Rouse is like, you should check out Toronto. And my boys in the Battle of Band moved there. So I was going to go visit them. So I started, he's like, well, I'm going to visit them. He goes, do you want to see, I'll get you tickets to Yuck Yucks. And that weekend I went was Russell Peters. Oh, shit. Hold out. It was like the energy was crazy. It was right before he like went like this. Like oh, so this is, this is early 2000s or when is it? 2006, man. Five or something like that. Fucking early on, bro. I how, remember. How many years were you in Windsor comedy or like doing comedy at this point? I started when I was 19, but I didn't really do comedy. I did once a week. And then I went to college. My mom wanted me to go to college. So I would do it in the summer because I was failing. <laughs> I wasn't doing well when I did it during school year. So I... So I went to school for four years. So around 24, I did it for a full year, full time while okay. I worked a job. And then I moved to Toronto. Okay. So okay. I, but so you got that, your feet, you got your toes wet for four years. You knew the vibe. You, you didn't even call it, but I mean, four years, once a week, you still bombed. You still did well. You know, you got to write, you know what the gist of it is. I just didn't. I thought it was a quick ascension. I yeah. thought oh, five years in somebody will to you at a Windsor Clyde and I had no knowledge. I was yeah. So then I moved to Toronto and I took it full blown series. But I remember seeing Russell, I was in the audience and I'd see him by, you know, at Yuck Yucks where you come down the steps to go on stage. Yeah. And he, just, he had a glow, the fucking energy was crazy. And then I came back to Windsor and I, dude, I would drive before I moved to do the Windsor, the, to do the Wednesday or Tuesday amateur night and drive back. Man, bro. That same I, night. That's crazy. I used to, when I, for, I, I lived in the States for three years doing engineering, lost my job, lost my visa status, moved back to Canada in 2017. And I've been doing open mics for a year. And I said, screw going back to engineering. I'm going to move to Toronto and, and, and do it every night. But for months before that, I couldn't go because I was doing some random jobs so I could meet yeah. the hours to get EI. And I would go to Toronto four or five times a week Go up, do all the open mics all night, and drive back. I would do it three, four times. Where were you driving times. back to? Sorry, where were you driving back to? London, Ontario. Oh, she's okay. Yeah, so so it's still half the drive of you, but I was doing it four or five times a week, like because London, yeah. same thing as Windsor back in your day. One a week max is options. I used to go to Win. I used to go to London, bro, and do the yuck yucks there, and I met cats there. I used to do even like in the because it was so it was so close to Windsor that it, that's so hilarious that you know. I, well, I know that pain, but going to Windsor, that's four hours each way. That's, that's not, that's, that's love. Yeah. It was, it was, do I, I just also really, of course I, I, I loved it. Dude, I would go to Niagara Falls. I go to Hamilton and drive back. It's so fun. Hey, looking back, it's crazy. Yeah. Huh? Oh, dude. I don't know if I, I would, I drove to Grand Rapids, I think to do an open mic, no, to do a guest spot. And my boy halfway through the ride tells me he's a comic. On the way back, he goes, I think he goes, I'm on ecstasy, man. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Do you have water, bro? Take the wheel. Yeah, I go, you can't. I'm like, what if I get tired? <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, that story. kills me. We used to go in Michigan specifically. We would travel to bomb somewhere or just to, dude, I'd go to Akron, Ohio I to do a competition. I lost three weeks in a row. 
I'd lose all the time. I just would. It was like Akron was maybe three three hours from Windsor. For those that are not familiar with Akron, Akron is the adhesive capital of the states. Okay, it is. They just make adhesives and fucking. It is like manufacturing death city. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember I bought a. I bought a. I was so sad about the loss. I was at a gas station. I think I bought a double XL or a Source magazine. <laughs> <laughs> when you're buying magazines, you bombed. Huh? <laughs> My boy was looking at me like it's all right. I go, no, it ain't, man. <laughs> Reading material, God damn, man. <laughs> you must have. You hated, bro. <laughs> I, I I bombed so. I and the, the thing the thing it was it was I, it wasn't even a bomb. I was. I didn't understand competitions. So I was doing really well, but the person brought most of the audience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't understand the business. You you hear everyone, the killers are getting little laughs, and then some random name goes up and half the place explodes. Oh, You're like, so oh. I didn't know, dude. And she won like every week, I think. And we were still like, it's just very interesting. You know, if I look back, I go a lot. It was a lot of young spirit and energy that I had where I was like, I needed to make this happen no matter, no matter what, because I loved it. So I think I don't take any of that back. I would do it. It was very interesting. I, I can talk for hours about how like it was just shit. <laughs> Man, I've been there. Dude, I, uh, I, I told my little brother right before we came on, I told him, oh, yo, I'm having Dave Merhejan from Rami. He's a big fan. And he asked me, he's like, yo, ask him, uh, ask him, how his high energy was taken, how his high energy was taken at the beginning of his career. Did it help him or did it hurt him? Because you have a you have a high, very high energy. You're like Dove Davidoff kind of thing. Like I love Dove Davidoff too. That, you I, know, yeah, I'll, I could tell. I could tell in your act. It's like you could tell who people like kind of thing. It's like you remind me of Dove Davidoff when I see you. Oh, bro, you don't even to your little brother to answer that one. He's he, it was not it was not pleasant. See, I had I had a very set up punch style originally and i remember doing yuck yucks and i was very not like how i was and my boy he's still my one of my closest boys he was new we were in our friendship but i remember him going i started to like rant to more and he's like why are you doing this i'm like what do you mean he goes just go back to the other stuff you were getting laughs you like bombing everywhere so <laughs> just, anytime someone talks about bombing it just it's just funny to me man i bombed so much i bombed last my, week bro bro this is my homie though this is a guy, so my own friends turned on me they were like what are you doing like everyone was like go back to this is what you're doing is not because i would run the i would run my set to the ground bro so you started high energy and then you're like this isn't going not gonna work i'm gonna go set a punch and they're like go back to high energy no, no, I started off like just doing, I read a comedy, the comedy Bible. So I started doing, I had energy, but it wasn't like, I was set up punch when I first started because gotcha. I was learning comedy. Like the and then, Judy Carter style. I did. I read that book. So yeah, I remember too. watching, bro, I remember watching a comic at Yuck Yucks Windsor do the same set twice, both shows and bombing and then killing. And I, and it was very to the T and I just, in my head, I was very young. I was like, man, you don't even talk like that. Why are you going to do that? You should do how you talk. But I, in my head, I go, if you do do this, it might take you forever to get where you got to get. I just had that thought. I remember it. But you have to be willing to accept that. So then I still, I still didn't listen. I was still scared. I was like, nah, just do what comedy, what you think comedy is. And then I'm in L.A. for six months. I get robbed by gunpoint and pistol whip. Jesus, and what I, the fuck? Yeah, and I wake up. I, that whole week, I was like, bro, you can't. Because I was going in between. I was doing like 
like set up jokes where I'd be like, yes, I'd be like, this was the type of joke I would do. It'd be like, you know, when you, you know, when your friends go, man, she didn't want me. Like, you know how guys can't take rejection, but they always make wild excuses why they got rejected. So the joke was the, our homie comes over and he goes, yeah, she didn't want me, bro. I go for real. He's like, yeah, it's, she has AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, wait, <laughs> she just didn't like you. So, uh, but then, so when I got robbed and I watched this, this Comedy Central thing on uh, uh, Richard Pryor, I ain't dead yet, motherfuckers. And I'm a big Richard Pryor fan. And Jamie Foxx or somebody had said, I think Whoopi Goldberg, that Richard left everything on stage. And I just was very interested by Richard. I love this comedy. I wanted to be just like him, just as vulnerable. So that's at that point, I started to come back to Toronto. When I came back to Toronto from L.A., I started to to just be as honest as I can with, and my, my style changed, but it just, the scene, the people I knew were like, this is not comedy. Cause I would rant, 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 and then get a, maybe a pop or not. So people started to hate on me like a lot, like people, you know, not my close friends, but I mean, a lot of people would tell me awful things. Scene. I'm friends with them now. I remember a comic outside of Yuck Yucks and Alley goes, what are you doing? Like I was there for, I'm like, what? She's like, what are you doing with your comedy? It's just, it's not comedy. And I'm like, what? She's like, there's no, uh, I remember a, a, another host comedian would tell me like, what's, what's happened? Like just so much, so much um, uh, a hate. And I'll be honest with you. I, they used to call me Mr. Premise. That's how they used to make fun of me. Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm friends with those people who used to talk shit about me, but they won't admit it. Um, I just, <laughs> that, I, what are you talking about, man? Oh, man, I was kidding. I was you're like, yeah, you were kidding for three years. <laughs> what, the joke didn't get good at any point. Fuck. So to answer your brother's question, it was pretty. Bro, I used to get, it used to pain me. I'm going to be honest. I'm All jokes aside, it used to pain me. I cried. I I cried one. I'll never. It was so sad. I was in my underwear at the edge of my girl's bed. Not even at the edge. I was. I was at the. I was the on corner. the bottom. And I was no on the ground. And I had my hands over my head. And I go. Uh, I don't know if you. Uh, uh, <laughs> I go. How come they don't love me? <laughs> oh, this is like Goodwill Hunting or something. Oh, they don't love me. Like I was like, I was, and she trying her best. I was super depressed. I just, I just couldn't take it. I was like, well, I just, people were hating on, it was just such a negative vibe. How many years into stand-up was that point? Seven, maybe. This was wow. 2000 and, uh, uh, this is 2007, eight, nine, and 10, like where it was intense hate. And then, uh, and it's still, it didn't stop, bro. I've heard a lot of times, like a lot of friends of mine will come up and they'll tell me, they're like, I can't tell you the names, but it's people, they don't, they think you just, you just rant and you get like, people aren't really laughing. It's just, they're giving you applause to give for the rant. So I still get that kind of hate still, but it was pretty intense back then. So yeah, to answer, it wasn't easy to answer your brother's question. It was a lot of it was like, no, I believe in what I'm doing is proper. I'm not going to fucking, I'm not going to switch up. I'm not going to switch up. I'm going to keep doing. And I had like people saying I was on Coke, people like fucking shitting on me behind my back. And, um, and then never, I just didn't want to, I just was like, no, I felt, I trusted in myself. I trusted in myself and my voice. And I knew if I held on long enough, it would pay off in some sense. Fuck yes, man. What's funny is I've had you at my plus time comedy anniversary show and you came and did a guest spot at a Toronto show. I ran, I forget which one, but I've seen you twice on stage. 
and you do have the ranting style and it kills. I don't know if you found it or you clicked it or you tweaked it or I don't know is the oh, years behind it because the rant did not go away. But now the rant kills. It's not a pop at the end. Now it's laughs throughout. Yeah, it, it took years, bro, of, of like, that's what I mean. Like, uh, I've been doing it for like 15 plus years. It took multiple years for it to be controlled. Before it wasn't controlled. So I understand why people were talking shit. It was just me going up. What, how it originally started was I was doing the Fox and the Fiddle downtown, the old Fox. Um, all comics. It was, it was lightly attended. And I think it was Daryl Purvis is a comedian hosting. And it might've been Ryan Belleville who interrupted my set. And I snapped like not, I didn't, we didn't get into a fight. I was like, come on, man. And I did a rant, but not a rant. I just spoke from how I would speak and, and it killed. And then after Daryl Purvis comes up, he goes, there it is, bro. That's it. And I go, fuck, what's what, bro? I wasn't. Are you still talking? Stop talking. I go, you fucking interrupted me, bro. What the fuck you mean that that's comedy? He goes, no, that's, that's what you should do. And I was like, I fucking doing that. This guy fucking interrupted me. So I wasn't seeing that I was naturally being funny, but I couldn't figure it out. So it took multiple years to just hone that where it's not me just screaming at you. Like the rant got controlled. That's what happened eventually. But at first it wasn't at all. My energy wasn't controlled. It was, I couldn't even control it. So at, uh, at what point and like what year uh, in the Toronto scene were you like, you had kind of leveled up, you were among the, the pool of the cream of the crop of Toronto where you were like started to looking at your wow. going south kind of thing. Like at this point, I'm assuming you're, you're doing West tours and East tours yeah. of 2010. like- 2010, I started to go out to the West, bro. And I never been to the West. I, w I had I, my, a girl that I was on and off with for multiple years, her family, she's from Edmonton. So I'd go out there and I saw how much money they were making. But I went out there and I found that they were showing me more love I felt than Toronto's comedy scene. Like, cause they never heard of me or knew me. So I felt like it was like a second home comedy wise. And I took a liking to it. So in 2010, I kept going out more every year and multiple times a year. And then 2011, I won the homegrown competition at Just for Laughs. And that kind of put me in a, in a situation where I, I was able to do more festivals. That's where people might've been like, the scene might've been like, well, he won this thing. So we can not oh. ease back on shitting on him. But I mean, it kind of like at least- That is your grad, as a comedian, that's almost like graduation, right? That, homegrown, yeah. not even winning it. Just being in homegrown is kind of like, Oh, yeah, yeah. And back Just being then it in was, it. I didn't even know there was a winning part of it, to be honest. Because there wasn't, there was always, and they stopped it the last, the last little while. But back in the day, it was like you, it was first place and second. It was cutthroat as fuck. <laughs> you got a story <laughs> for me? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I mean, like, nobody was like being homies when. The oh, nobody's like, yo, I love that. I love that premise. That's awesome. Here's a tag. Yeah, well, now it's like. Now you're going to just for Life. back then you couldn't really enjoy going to just for Life because you're like, I need to go and win this shit. Oh, okay. Oh, it was like, I finished first. Mark, the bonus was second. Um, the funny, the, well, it was it, it, the, the, the dopest thing for me was that cause uh, it was very, very like selfish in this manner is that Steve Schultz comic was in the competition and he said something like an edgy joke and the audience kind of was taken back and he goes, come on. He goes, we all know Dave Merhej won. This was before they even announced. Uh, you killed that hard, huh? Well, I was waiting for that opportunity, man. Oh. That wasn't a thing where I was like, dude, I've been, I've been like grinding 
and I've been auditioning for years and I've been grinding, you know, the feeling I was going there with, 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 I was winning. I didn't give a fuck. I was fucking everyone up. I don't care if it was your brother, your sister, your mother. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Somebody. He's great. Oh, yeah. man. Even when I moved to Toronto in 2017, there's still, and you're not even in Toronto anymore. There's, your smell was still in the air. People would still say grinding like Mahesh. Man, this guy's grinding oh, yeah. like Mahesh. It's still, I didn't even know you at this time. Like, you're long gone and you came back in 2019. I saw you. But, bro, your smell, you, your cloud of grinding was still, you really left uh, a, like, grind it to the down to the team mentality. And that really stayed in the scene. Well, that's, that's what the reason, too, I had to do that, bro, is like a lot of times like it, which look, you should always grind. I'm not saying you shouldn't grind. I was like also didn't really like sitting down and writing as much. So I had to go up and find my style. That's how I was doing it. So I had to hit three to four rooms a night. So then it became a thing where like I think people were like, this guy's fucking grinding. But what what they also didn't know is I wasn't I would. That's how I would write. That's how I needed to find my style or find my voice, not style. I just like, well, I could talk it out. So I had to do these fucking ridiculous music open mics. I mean, like, dude, we harass these music open mics. I'm surprised if they, for a year after, if they let anybody who's not a musician go on. Dude, oh. we were in there. We were, we were in biker spots where we'd have to, uh, we got a homie to start the car. So he would go first, go start the car and we would go one by one. And get hell, yelled at and then just leave. Just dip. just dip out. I did one where I remember a guy was on a mic at the, he hosted offstage with a mic. And I was like, <laughs> I, I'm like, yo. And he goes, no, hold on. I got to call this per, uh, person up. He had like a headset. <laughs> Some part just, of fucking, we're da not Davenport. You know, like, the, you know how many bars we did on the East End of Toronto on the Danforth? where there was like divorced or married guys just sitting there drinking Molson Canadian. And we had to go up and try to like, do so I don't think they were the best places to perform, but I needed to find my voice. So that's why I think people were like this guy, they grind like the grind was so heavy because I selfishly just did, I, I, not selfishly, I just found it better to perform as opposed to write me. Like I, I wasn't sitting down as much. Gotcha. Did you like when I, I know in the peak of things, I used to be like, yo, I want to do 15 to 20 sets a week because I am personally limited to mostly open mic. Yeah. Whatever scene a comedian is in, there's there's open mics, mid tier and then high tier. The high tier is the actual established clubs. In this case, the corner comedy. Absolute yuck, yuck. So if you are not in with a club yet, you are limited to guest spots at the club and doing spots at independent shows. So that's where and open mics. And that's yeah. where I was. So I'd be like, I want to do 15 to 20. I want to do 15 to 20. Mm -hmm. And I caught myself like really chasing the number down. And now with COVID where I've stopped everything and I've gone back and done some sets like when COVID like show started back up. And I realized that like once I got into the groove of things, I was funnier now than I was so long ago. So I'm like, is this grinding of doing 20 spots a week? Is it the only metric to getting better? Because now I'm thinking it might not at the time. You couldn't have told me otherwise at all. If you told me yeah, yeah, that's you got to take rest days. That's how you get funny. I'd be like, fuck you, you unfucked out of my face. You're trying to make me fail. No, you're, you're absolutely right. What you just said is very key is because again, I, I didn't know, 
I was just doing it because that's what how it helped me get on get my voice. It wasn't a statement, but I also was addicted to the numbers because somebody had told me Jason Rouse would do this many shows a month. Um, and I was like, in my head, I said, I'm going to beat that. But then, but then as I grew, like what you just said, I, I, I do now, I go, what is, it's not always about grinding. Some shows are just not good. So I think what happened was people maybe in the scene that, that somebody might've been like, you know, Dave did this many shows and they're like, well, that's how you do it. That's not, that's only one way you can do it. There's multiple ways you can do it. And I think, I think you, you, I think you should be aware of that not you particularly, but just people should be aware. Cause I didn't know, bro. I was younger. I was like, I had no options. Like you said, I couldn't get on yuck yucks. I yeah, was just I mean, like, I needed to find my voice, but now I think it's, it's more of like work smarter. That's and, how. It and you probably know this more than anybody, but when you're really prioritizing the numbers, it gets weird, right? You run in, you ask to be bumped up. You do your set and you run out. You don't talk to anybody because you got to hit the next one. And people are like, bro, I, like, you become yeah. that guy who's not even like, you're like, you're frantic because you got to catch the next one so you can get on. If you get on in the first three, then you'll catch two more sets. If you don't make, if you don't, if you don't make it on early in that next show, you're not only going to be able to catch one show after and shit like that, right? Well, I was a psychopath. I did the most races show on earth neil bansell panasonic theater 700 people i think two shows in between those shows i ran across the street and did an open mic <laughs> bro literally just like heroin addiction but comedy addiction you know um, imagine that what they were like where are you going bro i go there's a mic across the street and everyone's like bro that's like what are you doing like <laughs> Like, imagine the booker. He goes, he goes, what? You're leaving my show. I'm paying you oh, yeah. to fucking do a show for like three people. So I, I agree with you. I think you get addicted. I got addicted to those numbers. I bump up, leave. Then I wasn't enjoying, maybe I wasn't enjoying the times with those. And, 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 it, it, and people were like, this guy doesn't even talk to us. It's just, it was very frantic and chaotic. I'll tell you that. Now, one time I did five mics in Toronto. It, they had, they had a, a daytime mic and I did four in the night. And I remember that fourth one. I'm like, it's diminishing returns at this point because yeah. I am tired. This last one, I'm just trying to get my maximum for the day. Yeah. And it's like, I'm gone. I want to go to sleep. But I'm like, yo, it'll be a record if I go. Bro, then I, then I got afraid of this. This is I got afraid that I had to maintain that when I was a, when I already when I found my voice, I still had to maintain that for, for the, for the, for the people around me. So I had to low key still be that guy in my head. I thought until recently, not recently, but just the last little while, like, I, like you, I can not go on stage. Like I wasn't going on stage because of COVID, but then I go on and I found I, I wasn't better. I was like, Oh man, I feel better. Like yeah. I'm, yeah. I feel funnier. I feel like I actually want to be funny. So I, yeah, to that, I think you just got to find what works best for you. And there's multiple ways of, 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 of succeeding in the grind as opposed to just one way. Okay. So I got to know this. You, you hit the level of Canada, you get the green card because you have everything necessary. You hire the lawyer, you do the whole yeah. O1 or P2 or whatever the fuck this, the whole thing. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, actually you got a green card. I have a green card because there's the O2, there's a P1, O2, and then the green card, the green crowd, green, sorry, green card just allows you to work everywhere. No matter what, even like if you wanted to be a Starbucks. Yeah, yeah it's fully, yeah. it's like you can't vote, but you can have property. You could do everything, right? Everything. Is, got, it, is it limited or is it 10 years or? I think it's 10 years. Then you renew it. And you but paid it, for that or, or you like, because I didn't know they just, you could, 
pay for a lawyer to get, I thought you had to go O one or P two visas. Oh no, I went, I went, I had a P one. Then I went to do the green card. I paid about, I would say with lawyer fees for sure over $10,000. Jesus Christ. Sure. And I had saved that money up because I knew I was going to get a, I wanted to get a green card. I remember the day I handed over the money to the guy's secretary. She took me to the bank actually. Then she dropped me off at the bus stop. It was Bathurst and, or something deep like St. Clair, past St. Clair and Young or some. And she left, she just dropped me off at the, po- at the bus. I had just emptied out my bank account <laughs> and Dude. the bus pulled off. <laughs> <laughs> do, do they is the wording that they use do they go okay here's give us the money and we for sure get it for you or do they go you might not even get it after this well, test? Yeah, yeah they tell you you know you could possibly get rejected they are honest with you they don't tell you like they don't lie to you they're like look you will we'll, we'll work hard to get it for you but there could be a possibility that they don't give you the green card and then you don't get the money back so there was that as well so you get it and I, you're like it's time to go to new york no see See, I was also, I got on MTV Live. I started my paperwork after at Homegrown because I met a US agent. They gave me their card after Homegrown. And I was like, I'm going to America. I went, actually, I flew to visit and then I signed with Innovative Artists at the time. So this is right after Homegrown. That's a management company? Yeah, it's an agency. And I was like, you know what? I'm fucking, I'm going to America. I'm going to move. And then I get on MTV live, which I haven't really been on TV in, in, in Canada. And for like maybe like seven, eight months, and I was having too much fun. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to America yet. And then I just held off on my green card. And then I met a girl in 2013. We started dating. And then through that, like near the end of that relationship and throughout that, I started to, I think when that relationship finished, I was like, yeah, I'm going to America. And then I, fully went into my green card and I moved there probably officially 2016 is when I got the official green card because I had a temporary one for a while. And then 2016, I think, I think right before Trump got, no, it was Canada day. That's when I got it. It got mailed to me on Canada day when I was in LA living. That's ironic. Huh? It's time to leave Canada, <laughs> you know? And at this point you had, already dipped your toes into LA and New York. So you knew you were yeah. going to New York for sure. You didn't have it. No, I, knew I, was going to, I wanted to go to LA since I was like a kid for some odd reason. I dipped my places in both spots, but I, I more New York than LA, but I just had this idea that you have to go to LA. That's what I thought. And I, and, I, and that's why I moved there. So you moved to LA out of Toronto. Yeah. In 2016. 2016. Yeah. Oh, a little I, bit before there, 2015, maybe. And then did you end up moving to New York? 2017, I was just out there. I was like, I, I couldn't adjust to the idea of like doing open mics or shows in LA and headlining in Canada. I just couldn't get like, I was just getting too, I, you know, I, I didn't really like LA as I thought I did, but I was doing well stand up in LA. Like people were putting me on shows, but I just kind of gave up. I was like on the notion of being in LA. And then I moved to New York in 2017, I think May 1st of 2017. And what was that like change? Like going from the LA comedy scene to the New York comedy scene, what was that like? Loved it. Most of my homies were there, like my Toronto, like Nathan McIntosh, Julio Garate, uh, Alex Pavone, a lot of guys that, that I've been already in like, like good friendships with for a long time. And I just loved it. Dude, you take the train, go to a bunch of spots, you know, you go to hang out at diners. I just loved that whole process. I had a great time there. And, but you said that they put you back, like they didn't respect kind of, like when you move to New York, you don't, they don't grandfather where you are at in your past scene, right? 
No, no, it was a little bit tougher. I had to like really, if I really wanted to get on stage all the time, I would have had to do those like mics where you have to like put your name in or stuff like that. But people were trying to help me get spots like Nathan McIntosh, Alex Pavone, Julio and Ronnie Chang both got me spots. They were helping me, but I mean, you still had to be there and you had to, you had to put in a lot of time, but I was just like antsy and, and fidgety, older. And you know what I mean? It's just like, I emotionally, I wasn't, I wasn't handling it properly. Do you think New York, in my mind, going into this whole thing all these years, as of the mindset that New York is a necessary step for a professional comedian? What's your opinion on that? New York's just, uh, uh, you know, before COVID, it was just such a great place to get better at comedy. You just really could get sharp very, very you could just get so sharp. You're doing, you could do like, like two, I don't know, so many sets, bro. Like seven sets some people I knew were doing, especially if you were in at all the clubs, if you're in at the cellar in the New York Comedy Club. It is a really a great place to hone your craft and be so good at stand-up. It's such a stand-up city, I feel. What, and what's the situation now post-COVID? Are, is, are half the places still closed? Are they all closed? There's still a lot of places that are closed. People were doing in New York shows outside on, on rooftops. I don't know how it is now. Just pop... Um, but they were they were near the uh, like I would say the last like two months people were doing a lot more spots. I don't know if the clubs are open. It just might be like Canada. I know LA. There's really no clubs inside open from what I could tell. There's an outdoor show that my boy Paul Alia um, uh, and Matt Reif do uh, called Low Key Outside. That's been getting like uh, a lot of audiences out and a lot of comics are are doing it. So, but I don't think it's back to what it what what it is, you know. If you could, uh, if you could go back, like from the Windsor time, and like you skip all the Michigan, like at this point you're four or five years in, no more Michigan stuff. You grinded those crazy Michigan, yeah. And you just met Rouse, and he said, "Yo, go to Toronto," and you didn't know LA, you didn't know you're in New York. Everything was still in the future. Would you play it the exact same way you did? Yeah, because like you know because of the relationships I've built with the people here, like that, I know, you know what I mean? Like I, I love Toronto as a comedy scene. I, I just, just, I've always loved it. Whether, whether I just always loved it. I still love it. I, that's, that's why I'm here now, you know, for a bit. I just love the city. I don't think I would have changed. Like if I could have got my green card quicker, I might've, I guess, if I knew the option of moving to America, if it was a lot easier for us to move over, I would have probably went to LA if I knew you can get your green card, like if I knew the process to get to America was, was easier than it is, I might've moved to LA. You know what I mean? I don't know how that would have turned out, but I just, I always thought New York or LA because that's what we see growing up on yeah. TV. Right. So I, but I'm, I'm, tr I'm truly glad that I went to Toronto because of the relation. It made me better as a comic. I was able, I, nobody was really watching me for a while. So I could have found my voice with that, with not being pressured to, to get this or get that. I was like, well, I'm in a place that, you know, you know, I could just be me and fail all the time and bomb. It's not going to, I'm not going to be written out of this in this industry or this scene. No one's watching. So That's great. funny. Cause I'm of the mindset that like, yo, no one's watching, but you're of the mindset that like, yo, it's amazing for people not to be watching when you, you when you don't have it, it's the, the best things for people not to be watching. Well, creatively, yeah, you know, and then eventually you want people to be watching. The scene in Toronto is a lot better, I feel like, you know, 
in a sense than it was back then is because there's more avenues to perform. Like you had the corner, we had laugh resort and yuck yucks. And if you weren't with yuck yucks, you couldn't go, you couldn't really work anywhere else. So you had to pick one. Now you have absolute, the corner, comedy bar, yuck yucks. So I'm so, it's so dope where it's, what it's become now. It's so, it's so awesome. Man. And now it's more, I feel independent. Back then people were fucking scared to go independent because they're like, well, I'll, I'll get, fired from yuck yucks now there's so much independency there's the internet there's podcasts that are popping so your podcast can be successful and you can leverage that into comedy so there's like all this opportunity i feel that's so great that could take away from some of the pains back then <laughs> okay so technology- I, you take some of the steps out that you know you don't have to do a fucking music open mic and get, <laughs> get cussed out and called the devil <laughs> Bro, you hate the music open. I had two music open mics I in love, Toronto. I, love, that I, <laughs> I didn't tell any comics in Toronto of these because every every comic has a couple mics that are not comedy mics that yeah. you sh- that no one else knows about that you sneak in and do comedy at. Oh, bro, we we fucked up and told people, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then they start. So so I learned that we learned the hard way because we were getting kicked out of them. But no, I don't full. I don't hate them fully. There's some I do don't like, but the one <laughs> I loved. I always love it is Free Times Cafe on College Street. They had a poetry jam, and that's that was always day one. My favorite place, one of my favorite places to perform, and I have no ill will towards that place. That's a good one. Bro, that's where we had my show. That's why you killed it yeah. on that stage, man. You you were at home on that stage. Oh, I remember when you said that, too. You're like, it's at Free Times. I go, oh, I'm there. I, we, we used to run a show there back in the day. And also, the Renaissance Cafe out in the East End, it, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was this, this older white man who I think was a retired professor, but he had money, right? He'd always drink wine and watch, watch this chaotic musical mic. He made a home for us to go there, bro. Like we would be, we would like be five of us and he never kicked us out. He always welcomed us. And I still see him. His son works at, uh, was doing, he's a sound guy. He worked when I did JFL 42 at the, uh, Fuck at the garrison. The father showed up. And Actually, he's like, hey, and I was like, bro, it's been fucking ten years, like so long. And he was like, oh man, you're still, you're still. I'm glad you kept with it. We had like a conversation. I was like, bro, I, I thank you again for letting us fucking perform on your bar you owned, at the Renaissance Cafe. Uh, yeah. So there are some ones that I fully remember, and I and I and I love very much. But there are ones that I. Dislike with a passion, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's beautiful. And uh, I know we're coming out a, a while now, but I, this just popped into my head. It's a random, it's a side turn, but I have to ask because I don't know if I'll get the opportunity again. What was it like working with um, Maharshali, man? That's like a top-level actor, bro. What's, what's that guy like? Oh, dude. So in April, before we filmed season two, I watched True Detective, his season. And I, and I watched it uh, for like, I think I finished it in a week and I would be up to like two in the morning. Um, and then I was like, after it was done, I was like, man, how wild it would be to work with somebody that talented. Like how, 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 like I was thinking about a layers, like how nervous would you be? How scared would you be? And then in the summer, I'm at Just for Laughs and they post Marshall at least joining the cast. I go, oh, that's wild. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like five years for, I was like, holy. And I was hella nervous before because again, it's like this is such a this is such a uh, revered uh, and such a skilled actor, right? And I'm just getting into it and learning it, so I was very very nervous. But man, he was a sweetheart. His energy is great, 
very, um, very easygoing, man. You can chat with him. He was very like dope. He'd come up and he'd be like, you know, he, he talked to everybody. He made himself like, he just would be like, Hey, how's it going? He's like, I watched the show. Like he introduced himself to, to, to me. I saw him. I was in the trailer at five in the morning with my, with my homie scared, bro. I was just like nervous. And my boy's like, bro, you know, the line sit down. I go, no, man, I got to get a breather. And I walk out of the trailer and it's dead ass. Nobody's out there. Just, you know, I was going to makeup, I think. And I saw him coming and I've never met him. So I'm like, hold. And it happened very fast. He was just like, Hey, how's it going? And we chatted and then he just made it. It was just, his presence was, was, I guess was easy going and, and relaxed and uh, grounded and just a good dude that um, it just made every, it made, it calmed me down. Like I was like, my nerves were, were not as, as chaotic as they, they probably would have been and stuff. Fuck yeah, man. That's what I want to hear. Do you know how he like prepped for that whole like Imam thing? Is he Muslim or like that name? No, I don't... no he is. Yeah. He's always oh, Muslim. Okay. So he yeah. culturally, he already yeah. kind of got the vibe of Imams. And he could sing too, man. When he was doing that thing, we were like, well, everyone was like, man, this guy has a great voice, dude. <laughs> Everyone's just marveling. At him. <laughs> I think people forgot, forgot. There's a part where I guess uh, um, I, the, uh, I, I'm, um, he, he goes, he goes, I think he said, referenced me being Muslim. And I went, I went, uh, yeah, but I wasn't bro, but I got <laughs> yeah. nervous. I just said, yeah. So me, me, Rami, Jared, who plays the soldier and Mo are filming that scene where we got to walk, you know, to, into the, into the uh, mosque and those racist protesters. Yeah. 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 So I go to Rami, I go, Hey man, I think I told Mahershala I'm Muslim. And he started dying, dude. I told him the story and, I, and he was laughing so loud. It was, I think it was the hardest I've ever made him laugh. He goes, what? I go, I panicked. I didn't know. And then he texted him, I guess. And then I, we walked, he walked, Rami walked me over and I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I panicked. And then I, and he goes, no, no, brother. He goes, I shouldn't have, uh, I, I, I shouldn't assume. And we just had like a laugh there, but everyone was like, <laughs> dude, I got nervous. I was like, I didn't want to correct them. Like, I didn't want to, you know, I felt like I didn't want to. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't your place. I wasn't going to be like, hey. So, uh, no, it was, it was such a great, it was such a good, great experience, man. And learning like from somebody who was at top of their craft too, and being able to, I'll never forget that being able to be in a scene with someone who's like at, at the, at the top of their craft. Um, do they like do it in one take or do they like, do they make like, like what may, like, what did you see where you're like, holy fuck, this guy's high level. Oh, pays attention, paying attention to the details, asking questions like, oh, that, that's it's not like a thing where it was like, come on, do your thing and leave this. It was investing. He invested in that role oh. to make it to, to make it dope. Do you know what I mean? It, this was this was about it's like like it's about the craft. That's what I took from. It. I was like, this person is about the craft. This is like a this person gives a fuck about acting. Like, and he cares how it comes out. This isn't about superstardom or fame or followers. This is just a person who cares about that. It's like how we care about stand-up. You care about every inch of that joke, bro. So he, this person cares about his art form so deeply that that's what I learned from the whole thing. That's fucking, and it came across just like that, man. That's totally, actor, bro. <laughs> bro, he's like, yeah, it's like Christian Bale level stuff. You know what I mean? Like, just that's like all in, all in. 
this ain't it's not like nothing against like TikTok or anything. This isn't like it isn't this is a person who's like, I give a shit about my craft. Not that they don't, but this is somebody who's like, Yeah, yeah, man, fame, whatever the thing is, it's like I'm gonna deliver the dopest performance that I possibly can. That's all I care about here. Like I'm on this job. I'm gonna do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what I, I want. I want I want people after, you know, I again I'm I'm not I, that's how we like, that's how we do stand up. Like, you know what I mean? We're like, we want people to fucking respect the craft and respect how much we put into the craft. You know what I mean? It's beautiful. And it's like, again, it literally came across like them. Yeah. Yo, so what's next for you, Dave? We're, well, they film season three, I think. Uh, they well not I think I know they film it next year so you know you don't know now because of COVID so that's that's the thing that that uh, you know they t- it, I I don't know when exactly next year but we'll, but that we'll be filming season three that's all that's that's uh, what I know for sure okay and besides that where can the people find you um, there's a uh, on Instagram and all social media Damer Hedge but there's a podcast that I do with like a co-host Phoebos and a real therapist, Ben. It's about mental health. It's called the beautifully anxious. So there's like four, epi- four episodes up on um, all streaming platforms. And then the beautifully anxious is our Instagram handle, but it's every episode we talk about a different type of mental health and we have a professional on there so that you're getting proper information. You're not just getting two guys like you're not getting me like oh, you're, getting so you're a, not getting this you're getting yeah, more than this <laughs> someone who goes well this is and gives you offers solutions or 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 things to help you with it so i think it's really really informative in that aspect is i learned a lot from doing the podcast and it's it's the one i do the beautifully anxious right beautifully anxious yeah yo check that out I, as always i put everything in the description i'll put all your handles in the description the beautiful anxious i'll go and i'll pull a, a link online and i'll put it on there So everybody check that out. Uh, Check out Rami season one, season two. If you have not seen it, watch it. Watch Watch that show. Forget season. Watch season one. And if you're sold on that, watch season two. Like watch the pilot. Okay. If you're sold on that. Yeah, I'm telling you, bro. Yeah, you can watch it in Canada on on Crave Stars and in America Hulu. So, you know, and, and in the world, like OSN in the Middle East and Stars play, I think, in UK. Um, so yeah, there's, if you, you, there's no excuse it's out there. So just check it out, bro. You had an amazing opportunity to come your way and you fucking knocked it out of the park. I'm telling you, it is the most convincing Muslim guy Ahmed I've ever seen. (laughs) So, and, and the DMS you're getting, uh, justify that. There you go. I'll tell you more too in the future, but I want to do this again though. Yeah. You got to come back here, come sit here with me live and uh i got a lot more like stand-up questions too to ask bro i will we'll do it i'm here i'm in canada till like january mid-january late january possibly so we'll do it i'll come into the studio anytime yeah, yeah literally anytime i'll bro i'll put you back up in a month they'll be yeah, like couldn't they just have this guy on <laughs> yeah i'm de- um i'll go see my family then after that you know what i mean i'm good i'm good to go so anytime brother yo dave Thank you so much for coming. I'm so happy we did this over Zoom and we didn't just wait. This was fucking awesome. I had a great time, dude. Keep doing what you're doing in this. I love the space. I love what you, I love this. I love the backdrop, everything about it. It's great, man. I appreciate you. And from my end, yo, tell your friends about the immigrant section. If you fuck with this and what we're doing, just tell at least one person. I'm trying to grow it. That's all I ask. And until next time, peace.
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.